Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. As always, alongside me, fellow Pensburg contributor and co-host of the Pensburg Podcast, Robbie Noggle. Uh, Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode? Hey, I can't complain too much. We had some uh, nice, uh, a nice little winter spring, uh, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, these past couple of days. I'll say it rained today, but uh, some little warmer weather to enjoy, but uh, fingers crossed that it's not that far off that it's every day like that. I agree with you, Robbie, because uh, I, I would imagine you and I both share the same thought that the warmer weather is probably better than the snow and the cold that we get where you and I live. So, uh, yeah, I completely agree. Hopefully, hopefully those days are closer than they are further away from us. Let's dive into it and let's talk some Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. And there's one thing that I, I wanted to talk about for the main segment this week. And I feel like we've talked about it a lot over the course of this season. And we've talked about injuries to several players over this season. But this injury or this new development in related to an injury is concerning Penguins starting goaltender Tristan Jari. It's been reported that Jari allegedly has some sort of chronic hip injury that may be attributed to some of his more recent injury woes. And as I mentioned, you know, we've, we've already talked about the health of, of Jari uh, in previous episodes of the podcast. But if this chronic hip ailment is to be believed, my, my first thought is, well, Jari is a pending unrestricted free agent. First of all, if he comes back, let's say he comes back Friday night against the Islanders. Who's to say he's going to be 100% for the rest of the season? Because when he started, Tristan Jari has been very good. He has had a 921 save percentage. However, if this chronic hip injury is something that's going to nag him uh, potentially for the rest of the season, if not longer, then that would that would certainly play into some of the contract negotiations that Jari is expected to have this summer. So I'll turn it over to you, Robbie. This news came out a couple of days ago. 
And uh, we, we already know that the two, the question mark regarding Jari has been his durability. With this latest development and this chronic hip issue, where does this leave your confidence level in regards to the Penguins' future between the pipes? Because you mentioned it before on a previous episode, the Penguins don't really have a ton of quality young starting options outside of Tristan Jari. So if this hip injury is to be believed, where does that leave you thinking about the future of the Penguins goaltending situation. Yeah, that's exactly it when it comes to Jari. And that is not now that we know about the the hip situation. And if that report does turn out to be true, that is a very, very serious issue that we have to uh, take into consideration because the hip issue, it sounds like based on that report is leading to other injuries because he's compensating uh, for that hip. We had a groin injury earlier in the year, which could be, um, I mean, if you know where the groin is, I mean, you can see how that could be related to the hip. We don't know exactly what this injury is right now that he's uh, battling through, but if he has to compensate for the hip that's leading him to injure himself in other ways, then that is a very, very serious potential roadblock or hurdle to any kind of contract talks, uh, let alone just looking at how it affects the rest of the season. He's already gone down twice. Uh, this He's already in his second major injury stint uh, this season, and he's cl- clearly their best goalie on the roster. And you never know what you're going to get from uh, Casey Smith. You could get the showing against the Ducks or the Sharks where he was very good against the Sharks, and the Ducks didn't really challenge him, but he still uh, was solid in that game. Or you can get what you get when you when he plays like he did against the Kings, where he gives up however many goals and they get shut out, and it looks just ugly. And I understand it was coming off a back-to-backer. You're on the road. It's not easy. But there was goals in that game that were just – it just wasn't a good performance uh, regardless, and it, maybe he shouldn't have started – uh, at all in that game, but as it goes to Tristan Jari, he's your number one. And starting with just this season, you hope that when he does come back, that this hip issue, if it's the hip issue, doesn't aggravate itself or causes him to uh, injure himself in another way if he has to make up for it. And then two, from a long-term perspective for a contract extension, hip injuries can be absolutely devastating to all athletes, but especially hockey players. Only a few have ever got successful major hip surgeries, uh, depending on what the issue was, have ever come back and played. Um, If you remember, Ryan Kessler had a hip resurfacing that ended his career. Uh, If you're a tennis fan, Andy Murray, great tennis player, had a hip resurfacing. And while it looked like his career was over, he basically announced his retirement. But luckily, he's been able to recover and get back playing professionally and playing well but not near the level he was before that. Nick Backstrom of the Capitals just went through a hip resurfacing and just got back on the ice and uh, a couple weeks ago uh, and looks to be doing so well through all that. But this is a very serious, this isn't something that can just be fixed with rest. Um, if they have to go to the knife or something more serious, um, extensive rehab for this hip issue, then it throws everything into question in terms of Tristan Jari's future in Pittsburgh and what the Penguins are willing to pay him and what kind of term they are willing to give him on a new contract if this hip issue uh, is, one, present, and two, serious enough that it's causing 
uh, issues with his overall health. And just looking ahead into the future, uh, looking ahead, even if the Penguins wanted to explore other free agent goaltenders, let's say, let's say Jari's injuries kind of shy the Penguins away. It's not like what the Penguins would be getting on the potential free agent market this summer doesn't really inspire a whole lot of confidence. You're talking about goaltenders like Semyon Varlamov, Alex Nedeljkovic, Freddie Anderson, just to name a few. These goaltenders have start started and have been rather successful starters at various points throughout their careers. But I don't think you look at any of these three three main goaltenders, and there were other goaltenders on the list as well that I was looking at that are set to hit the open market. But it's not like any of these goaltenders, for one reason or another, they're not going to really inspire a whole lot of confidence, whether it's age or poor and consistent play or another combination of factors. So if the Penguins do go the external route, if they decide to let Tristan Jari walk, which I still I still don't think Jari is going to walk. I, I still think that the Penguins are probably going to find a way to extend him even through all this. We don't know the severity of this this injury. Again, this is this is coming from uh, various reports, most notably from Frank Saravalli, who is a reputable NHL insider. So where there's smoke, there may be fire. Uh, but again, we we just don't know the 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 real severity, the real extent of Jari's injuries. But his durability most certainly has to be questioned moving forward. Because, like you said, Robbie, this is this is now multiple occasions in this season, this season alone, where Jari has gone down. We haven't even mentioned the fact that he missed the the uh, the first round series against the New York Rangers last year due to injury. So. If you're going to sink a lot of money into a potential franchise goaltender, if Tristan Jari is your guy, you have to really hope that he's going to be durable and he's going to be there playing the big, meaningful games. I don't know at this point if he's going to be there. I don't know if he's going to be that guy. Like we've said, when he's been on the ice, he's been he's been pretty outstanding. He's really kept the Penguins in a lot of these games. But durability for a goaltender is one of the key you know key aspects you look at when you want to bring a goaltender in. So. Uh, this is just another development and a long line of developments that we're going to be watching and analyzing as we get closer and closer to the offseason. Uh, the Penguins still have a lot of business to take care of in terms of fighting for a playoff spot, a wild card spot, wherever they end up in the standings. But here's hoping that Jari can be healthy enough down the home stretch when it matters most and these games become even more crucial so that the Penguins can eventually clinch another postseason berth. Switching gears now, we have uh, an 11-question mailbag for you this week. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you'd like to contribute to this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week we'll be sending out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. Robbie, as always, you'll get question number one. Question number one comes from Brendan, and Brendan asks, what do you think of a potential trade here of... Ivan Barbashev for Kasperi Kapan and plus a conditional second round pick that is, for example, tied to performance or a potential re-signing that could potentially move to a conditional third round pick. So ideally, it's forward Ivan Barbashev, who I believe plays for the St. Louis Blues, in exchange for Kasperi Kapanen and a conditional draft pick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think on paper that's a a good deal for the Penguins, at least something to look into. I mean, Barbashev will be a free agent after the season. Obviously, we know Kapanen with his contract, and it just the performance just isn't there for what he's being paid. I think Barbashev would be a nice addition to the Penguins' bottom six. 
And again, Barbashev, I mean, he has experience. He's won a cop. The pick, I think, if, as long as it's not that first pick, I think Ron Hextall is more than comfortable moving a pick that is not that first-round pick. And then, if again, if you tie in conditions to it, either a they make the Eastern Conference Final or he scores or he plays in so many games, a certain percentage of games, or he does resign in the offseason with the Penguins. It goes from one kind of pick to another. Yeah, I think stuff like that is completely... Uh, completely on the table for the Penguins. It's a a fair deal. It is uh, a deal that the Penguins can work the money to make it work, as we talked about last week. That any trade the Penguins make, the money's going to have to have to work. So there's going to be have to be player movement, uh, more likely than not. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I think on paper, uh, Barbashev would be an upgrade for the Penguins. And again, moving Kapanen to make the money work, and then throwing in a draft pick to sweeten the deal to get him. And then if it's a conditional, if it's not, I don't think that really matters uh, too, too much. But, yeah, I think on the if that's a deal, deal the Penguins can make, then um, I think it's, yeah, that's something they look into because I think Barbashev is definitely good enough of a player that improves this team. Uh, if he comes over from St. Louis, um, he improves the bottom six, and he brings the experience with him as well. And I think overall it's definitely a name that the Penguins should be looking into if they haven't already. And I think that's somebody the fans would be very happy with. Question number two is from Brendan again. What do you think about a fan contributor discussion call a couple times a year? Um, there are three or four of us who are regular contributors. Uh, might be fun to have a preseason, midseason, and postseason call with a few of us for next year. Uh, just an idea. So over the last couple of weeks, if you're, if you're a regular listener, you know that due to some recent developments, the Pennsburg podcast is going to undergo a few changes and uh, we're, we're very much in the thick of things right now. Robbie and I are uh, talking with a few people and getting this project off the ground. But it, it's funny how Brendan submitted a question like this right in the middle of us trying to basically rebrand and reform the podcast. But yes, uh, the, the, this, this is a great idea. As Brendan said, I think uh, he's right. There, there are re- The fact that we have regular mailbag contributors like Brendan and Brian and a few others constantly asking questions. You know, we, we've said from the start, getting the listener interaction and the listener involvement in this podcast is one of the reasons why I think it's grown to the point that it's grown to. If we're, for, we're fortunate enough, if we're lucky enough, after this rebrand of sorts uh, coming in the next couple of weeks, uh, we're, we're hoping that we can even take this podcast to even higher levels than what it's at right now. So uh, if you like what you're listening to, or if you're a first-time listener finding the Pennsburg podcast or some Penguins podcasts for the first time, uh, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. I will definitely be taking Brendan's idea because uh, one of the things we talked about, Robbie and I and a couple other people who are spearheading this project, is different ways to create different audio content. And this might be one of those ways that we create that new audio content. Instead of one weekly uh, episode for Robbie and I, maybe this is uh, another avenue to explore that can continue to increase and involve our listeners who like to listen to this sort of thing. So absolutely. A funny coincidence that, Brendan, you, you submit a question like this or an idea like this, but absolutely. This is something that's going to be on the table uh, in the future. I'm definitely going to write it down and have it saved in the future for w- when we do start that rebrand and we do start reforming what was once considered the Pennsburg podcast into the future. Question number three, also from Brendan. Robbie, do you feel like Sam Poulin is done for the season because of his personal absence this year? Despite only being 21 years of age, 
it seems like a shame because he has the talent, the size, and the speed that you'd like to see in regular NHL players. Yeah, so from everything we know, it definitely sounds like uh, Sam Poulin is out for or will not play the rest of this season at any level. He took a personal absence uh, earlier in the season, well before Christmas. He um, stepped away from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and uh, took some personal time, took a leave of absence. So, yeah, it seems like at this point we're past the middle of February now that it definitely seems like he won't play uh, anymore this year unless I'd be I'd be gladly happy to be proven wrong. But um, what that does for the rest of his career, I don't know. Maybe he just needed some time away from the game to kind of recenter himself, uh, clear his mind, and kind of refocus on his priorities and getting his uh, his own life where he wants it, where he feels best. So as for the rest of his career, you that's obviously up in the air. We have no idea. But as for this season, likely not. And yeah, he had a kind of a cameo in the NHL this year. Uh, looked good at times. Um, looked kind of like he brought a spark. Uh, to the lineup, he has that big body. Um, he does have some skill. He's maybe better than any option the Penguins have on the bottom six right now. But I think, yeah, at least for this year, it looks like Sam Poulin won't play any more hockey. It feels like, and when you say he's only 21, it definitely feels like he's been around for uh, forever at this point. Uh, I remember when he was drafted, and it just kind of feels like that everybody is wondering when he'd make his his breakthrough, and it just never really materialized probably the way many thought. But um, here's the hoping that uh, he can get in the a good place and that he's at first, first and foremost, personally, his things are good that way rather than forcing himself to do something that he doesn't love and he's putting himself in a bad position. Uh, luckily, he was able to take uh, some time to work through that and reevaluate things. But all in all, if he can get back on the ice for the Penguins, that's great. I think there is a spot for him in the NHL at some point, but uh, if not his his own mental health is the most important and we wish him the best that way. Uh, but yeah, for this year, I really don't see uh, Sam Poland lacing up the skates uh, anymore this season. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Question number four from Brian. I just want to follow up on Garrett saying to go after Domi uh, and Jordan Stahl this offseason with a double yes. Really would help fill out the bottom six. So, this, yeah, this was funny. Last weekend, we had a question uh, talking about potential free agents that the Penguins could go after, uh, some that we haven't discussed previously on the podcast. And, and, and looking at some of the unrestricted free agents, the, the, the two names that caught my eye the most that I thought would make some of the more logical sense would be Jordan Stahl and Max Domi. Domi is only 27, 28 years old and has shown that he does have an offensive pulse at the NHL level. Jordan Stahl, if you're a longtime Penguins fan, you're familiar with his work, him starting out with the Penguins and uh, helping them during their two Stanley Cup final appearances in 2008 and 2009. I mentioned last week that Stahl's massive 10-year contract is expiring uh, at the end of this season, so he'll be an unrestricted free agent. And uh, I said last week, I'll be the one conducting the Jordan Stahl reunion train, and I stand by that, especially with Brian... Uh, Absolutely, say, absolutely giving me a double yes. Well, 
that's just given me even more, uh, even more ammunition, even more fuel to the fire to bring either Max Domi or Jordan Stahl to Pittsburgh. So let's keep manifesting it, and hopefully, by hook or by, by crook, it'll happen, and the Penguins can be well on their way to having a revamped bottom six heading into next season. Question number five for you, Robbie, also from Brian. Robbie, what's your frustration level with Ron Hextall as he is just sitting around while even other divisional teams like the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders are continuing to make moves to get better? Yeah, I mean, technically he has until the March 3rd to make a trade. So, I mean, he has time that way. When you see teams like the Islanders and the Rangers, like with Bo Horvat and Vladdy Tarasenko uh, out there making moves, but I think you can make the same argument for... Uh, the Devils or the, the, the Hurricanes, why aren't they out making uh, making moves? The Capitals haven't done anything yet. Um, I think some of these big moves are maybe easier to do uh, weeks before the deadline because there's so many moving parts and contracts and money and prospects and picks that it's not just a simple, here's two picks for this rental player or something. like. It's not quite as uh, cut and dry, so maybe some of those bigger moves uh, get done a little bit earlier. Uh, just so they have time to work it out and stuff like that. Though I will say Jim Rutherford never waited till the deadline. He was always uh, busy, uh, kind of in the in the weeks and the kind of weeks and days prior uh, to the deadline to get his moves in. So I mean, I think it's frustrating, obviously, because you see the teams closest to you making these big moves. Though it hasn't exactly resulted in better on ice play for the the Islanders, at least since getting Bo Horvat. But I think, yeah, I think it's definitely a little frustrating. But again, we still have, we're still over two weeks. Well, by the time this comes out on the 17th, we'll be, uh, we'll be exactly two weeks from the trade deadline. So it, I guess it makes a little more sense to kind of not totally panic because uh, there's still plenty of time. Uh, and again, some of these deals that we've seen so already could be just more out of a, the size of the deal and the players involved, just trying to. Uh, iron it out as quick as possible so they don't run into any last-minute hang-ups that could force the trade to be nullified and not get done. So, I, I mean, you still have two weeks. Is it frustrating a little bit? Yeah, because especially when two of your biggest rivals have gone out and made improvements, and especially when the Penguins, like, the holes are so obvious that you think that they try to get something sooner rather than later. But again, these holes have been obvious all season, and nothing really has been done uh, either call-ups or trades at this point. So I guess if we waited this long, what's 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 the use in uh, panicking, panicking now and not just waiting for a few more weeks? Question number six from Brian, uh, plus minus, what's the point? It really has become kind of a forgotten stat or a buried stat, one that I really don't put a lot of credence into. Basically, it, it, it's going to measure a player's goal differential. When an even-strength goal or a shorthanded goal is scored, the statistic essentially is going to increase a player's by plus one, or if they're on the ice for a goal against, it's a minus one. But yeah, it's this This is a statistic that has kind of fallen by the wayside in recent years. It's funny, in my research for doing this, I, I discovered that the NHL used to regularly award the NHL plus-minus award each year to the player with the highest plus-minus rating during the regular season, and it was a long-standing award. It went from 1982-83 through the 2007-2008 season, and I think that right there is kind of what has happened to the statistic 
from 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 2007 to 2008 onwards to now current day it's it's kind of become a lesser emphasized statistic because think of it this way i i, I always looked at it as it's not really fair to a player who let's say for example is coming onto the ice for a shift change let's say a player hops over the boards steps onto the ice and two seconds later before he even joins the play a goal is scored against his team well he didn't really even do anything to deserve having a goal scored against him and that really affecting his plus minus rating so i always thought it was kind of a lackluster statistic and even more you know as we get further and further out and further away from it i think the rise of some of the advanced metrics possession metrics have kind of kind of buried the plus minus rating. Really, throughout some of my other research, I found that really it's been around since the 1950s. I think it was the Montreal Canadiens who introduced the rating system to try and get a better gauge on individual individual players and their goal differential. Like I said, with the rise of other more advanced statistics, tracking data, all sorts of things that general managers and the public have access to in 2023, the plus minus statistic, it's there. You can find it on NHL.com. But I really don't think, unless you're an old school general manager, maybe like a Lou Lamorello, he might be a kind of person or a kind of executive that puts stock into that kind of statistic. But even then, you know, from a league wide perspective, I think the plus minus stat is starting to be phased out if it hasn't almost really been phased out altogether by this point. Question number seven, also from Brian. Robbie, do you think Jeff Carter hangs it up in this offseason, upcoming offseason? If he does retire this offseason, what happens to his cap hit if he does call it quits? Do I think he will? No, because he's leaving. he would be leaving a lot of money uh, on the table. Um, so I had to look this up exactly what, what the deal is. Basically, the Penguins will not be on the hook for paying him, the remaining of his contract and stuff like that. Basically, he'd just be retiring and the contract would be no more. But since he... Signed a 35-plus deal, meaning he was over 35 years of age. When the deal was signed, the Penguins would still be on the hook cap-wise. So whatever his cap number is would still go against the Penguins' salary cap next season. They wouldn't have to physically pay him out uh, in the form of a check unless there would be some kind of like settlement, I guess. But uh, overall, the salary cap hit would still be there. So in a way, it would still cost them. And again, maybe – I mean, the way Carter's played this year, maybe – he's better off retiring and the Penguins just taking that salary cap penalty uh, for a season for him not to be on the ice. But do I think he retires? No, he has kids. He has a family. I think he'd like that next, the rest of that contract to be paid out. And I really, I mean, can't blame him. I mean, I'd probably do the same thing uh, if I could still physically do it. So I don't think he hangs him up. I really don't see that happening, but if he does, the Penguins at least salary cap wise would still be on the hook. Uh, next season for the rest of that contract since it's a 35 plus contract but as for paying him it sounds like they wouldn't actually have to have to actually pay him it would just be a salary kind of a salary cap penalty uh brian again with question number eight what a complete savage jama yager is 51 years old and still competing what's it going to take to get him to finally retire and get the jersey in the rafters alongside 66 where it rightfully belongs you could also make an argument that 68 should be retired league-wide uh, with 66. I agree. I, I agree. We'll start at the end. I agree that you can definitely make the argument that Yager and Lemieux could be retired league wide. Now that may, that may be a little bit of Penguins fan bias coming out, but you could definitely make the argument for what they accomplished while they were playing and the different ways that they accomplished what they did. 
Lemieux coming back from all of the injuries that he dealt with and beating cancer, coming back for a second run, and Yager playing in the NHL up through the 2017-2018 season and still playing professional hockey. Uh, I remember reading a couple of years ago, there was an article that I'm glad I found before we started recording. It was an article I found on Yahoo Sports, and uh, it basically details, and this was as of 2021, so this was even a couple of years old, but it basically goes into detail why Yager is still playing. And essentially, in his own words, he feels like he has a responsibility, and he has no choice but to keep playing, even in his advanced age, because the, the team that he, he, he owns, the team that he plays for in the Czech Republic, uh, I think it's Kladno. I think that's how you pronounce the, the name of the team, Kladno in, in the Czech Republic. He owns the team, and he's obviously still an active player with the team. He's gone on record and said that he feels like he's obligated to continue playing. He said, as long as my father still breathes, I have a responsibility to the club. Otherwise, I wouldn't fly here and be making a fool of myself. But if I quit, the partners and the sponsors would leave and the club may be done. In Yager's words, he has no choice but to keep playing, which sounds kind of sad. When you when you read Yager's own words and you put it into that perspective, he feels like he has to keep going for the financial sake of this hockey club. And so th- that's that's why Yager hasn't retired yet, because there already there have been confirmed reports about what the Penguins want to do and what Yager wants to do when he does officially retire. I think Phil Bork gave an interview just a couple of months ago when he chatted with Yarmir Yager saying that Yager had this elaborate plan kind of mapped out in his head. He wanted the Penguins to come over to his country, play in one of the one of the NHL Global Series games in Prague, I think. He, he wanted to have a ceremony in Prague and then he would follow the Penguins back to Pittsburgh and have a formal retirement ceremony in Pittsburgh with obviously the jersey going up into the rafters. So I think everything is just about set in stone. We just have to wait for Yager to officially say, I'm done playing professional hockey for good. Judging at what he's doing right now at 51 years old, uh, just turning 51 the other day, uh, boy, oh boy, I, I don't know how much longer he deems it necessary to still play professional hockey if this sort of thing is weighing on his mind every day when he steps out onto the ice. He's playing for the sake of this club that he feels he has to keep going. Who knows how long he, he might be able to do it. But uh, I, I'm not one to doubt Yarmir Yager. But what I can say is, yes, I, I agree with you, Brian. 51 years old and to still be playing professionally is a feat that I don't know if anyone realistically could be doing at that age. But uh, yes, I think the Penguins and Yager have since mended fences, and it's only a matter of time. It's a matter of when, not if, Yager's number finally does get retired. Question number nine comes from Brian as well. Robbie, why isn't a why isn't a hit post considered a shot on goal? It's literally a part of the net. So it's not considered a shot on goal because it never had a chance of going in. And if you think about it, when a goalie stops a shot. The idea is if that goal, if the goalie wasn't there, the puck was not. It was going in the net. Whether it's a slap shot, wrist shot, a bouncer from the other blue line on a penalty clear, that if the goalie wasn't there, the puck's going in the net. Therefore, it's a shot on goal. A post, the goalie doesn't need to be there. You hit the post and it didn't go in the net. Um, 
therefore it can't be a shot on goal. It's just not, it might be a part of the goal, but if it hits and goes, hits the post and goes wide or bounces back, the puck never had a shot in the net and the goalie, it didn't matter if the goalie was there. So the goalie has to make a save or it had to have a chance of going in the net, which a shot on the post and doesn't go in, never had a chance of going in the net. The goalie didn't need to be there. Um, he never touched. Now, again, if it deflects off the goalie and hits the post, uh, different story, obviously. But no, in this situation, it's been like that forever. If it hits the post, it's kind of a shot uh, simply because the goalie didn't need to make didn't need to make a save. That's basically what it comes down to. Uh, question number 10, we circle back to Brendan. When Sully started, a lot of his success was based on young guys brought up from the minors. Brian Russ, Jake Gensel, Tom Kuhnhockel, uh, Matt Murray. Aside from Teddy Bluger, and I believe uh, reluctantly uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, he really hasn't done this recently. Why do you think that is? A couple of the guys down there have shown more than some of the aforementioned. Nylander, for example, is a third-wing ready player, in my opinion. Valtteri Pustinen is likely the same. I agree with Brendan, giving the young guys like Pustinen and Nylander at least a shot, at least at least a cameo, at least something. Now, do the financials come into play? Maybe because the Penguins are quite literally that far up against the salary cap? Maybe. I, I, I'm, I'm not a cap guru, but I, I do know that those players would probably have league minimum contracts. I would imagine at the same time that Mike Sullivan probably has a, a very steady hand and a, a, he's more than capable of telling Ron Hextall that uh, he's earned the right based on his tenure about the players that he would like to see or maybe not like to see. So I, I, I have to imagine that if they are going to have a call-up, uh, whether it be through injury or what have you, that Mike Sullivan is included in those conversations. Now, why hasn't Nylander and Pustinen, why haven't they been called up on a more regular basis or given a more regular chance to play in the NHL? I don't know. I can't really answer that question. All I can really go off of is basically hypotheticals. Because I, I agree with Brendan, giving these guys at least a shot, we've talked about it for so long. The bottom six is terrible. I mean, Jeff Carter's bringing it down. Kasperi Kapanen, he's a waste of money. Danton Heinen doesn't score to save his life. Would these players, would a, would a younger, hungrier player provide that spark? Well, you saw it in 2015-16. Is, is Mike Sullivan going to rely more heavily on veteran players and players that he knows can contribute? like Brian Rust and Jake Gensel, for instance, who have carved out long NHL careers because of their skill sets? I don't know. I don't know Mike Sullivan personally, but at the very least, yes, the, the, these players like Pustinen and Nylander are on, are on very cheap, team-friendly contracts. I have no reason to think why they wouldn't be or why they why they don't deserve at least a shot on the fourth line or the third line to give some some much-needed juice to that bottom six. It, it just hasn't happened to this point for whatever reason. Maybe it happens at some point later this season or into next season, depending on how much roster turnover there is. But yeah, I'd like to see a bit more of a youth infusion come into this team sooner rather than later. Question number 11. The final question comes from Brian this week. Robbie, what are your thoughts on local blackouts? I personally think they are stupid. Let all the people watch the game they want to watch without any kind of hassle and be able to grow this beautiful game. So, yeah, blackouts exist basically to protect the rights of your local uh, TV distributors like AT&T Sports Network, 
Um, the the roots that still exist in some areas, the Fox Sports uh, local uh, stations, your NBC Philly and stuff like that. Because basically, if I could sign up for ESPN Plus for let's say nine, 10 bucks a month and watch any hockey game, even my local Penguins games, I'd do that rather than pay a more exorbitant cable or streaming fee. Um, so basically, it's there to protect local rights holders. Uh, more than anything, uh, that's kind of the deal they worked out. Um, that's why te- television deals are dealt between uh, teams and individual markets uh, to carry games. And, yeah, I mean, blackouts, obviously, I mean, some blackout rules are extremely, extremely strict. Some aren't quite as strict. Um, that's why the pen- when you see, you might see, I don't know if it happens as much anymore, but when NBC used to have the hockey rights, the game would be on nationally on NBC Sports Network, but the game you'd still watch if you were in the Pittsburgh viewing area, you'd still watch on AT&T Sports Network because it was basically just a local blackout um, or a regional blackout, whatever they call it, because um, the the local rights holders still got to broadcast that game. Now there are some games like your NBC. Sunday games were completely national. There was nothing on. That was a local. Root Sports or AT&T didn't even have any rights to that game. That was all the NHL. And uh, you see that uh, with ESPN and uh, TNT now as well, uh, where if a game's broadcast on one of those channels, it's just, they have the exclusive rights to that game. But no, blackouts mostly are there to preserve uh, the rights for the local rights holders. It, again, that's been around since... Uh, well before I was born. I don't know exactly when blackout started. Yeah, it's kind of stupid because you want to get as many eyes on the game as possible, but when money's involved, you're always going to kind of, that's going to be kind of a lose-lose for the fans because uh, the NHL, their job is to make money. They want to make their broadcasters happy, and uh, teams get money from these local TV deals uh, that help them create or gather funds to put back into the team. So uh, that way, yeah, it's there to protect those contracts and i i don't at least in an nhl standpoint i don't see them going away anytime soon that will do it that will wrap up this mailbag and in turn that will wrap up this edition of the pensburg podcast uh i'd like to thank all of you for listening especially to me this week i'm a little under the weather as we record this episode so uh thanks for sticking it out and dealing with my uh, extra nasally voice this week i appreciate it hopefully this time next week, uh, I'll be back to 100%. I'll, I'll be off injured reserve, and I'll be uh, good to go, mucking and grinding back in the corners. But until then, for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast, and we'll talk to you, all of you again this time next week. <laughs>